Bros, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your host and narrator. Heroes, this week we continue our series of Brindlewood Bay with the excellent cast from Fortunate Horse. This session was an absolute blast to play with them. Thinking back on it is just like a nice warm fuzzy memory, so I really hope you enjoy where our mystery mavens take the adventure this week. With all that out of the way, let's get to the show. And as we come back from commercial, uh, you were all sitting in the in the drawing room of this uh, this really sizable house. The woman in the red suit is is sitting in front of you. There are a few other people around the room, and we will before we get to them and what they have to say. There's a question that I have for one of the mavens, and this one is for Marla. Uh, so Amelia Hawthorne, as I mentioned before. Uh, not a nice person. She was actually kind of a pariah in town. She was very, very happy to throw her uh, weight around with the town council in order to get what she wanted. And very, very few people in town are going to be sad that she's dead. Right? Just not a nice person. But you once saw a different side of her, a moment that humanized her for you. What happened? Well, we... um. We're both at the local fancy restaurant. There's really only one in town. Mm-hmm. And I saw her Bernardo's. in the bath at Bernardo's. And I saw her in, in, in the bathroom. And she had actually ripped her skirt. And she was scurrying around trying to figure it out. And she was like, I'm meeting I'm meeting with my, you know, great aunt. My great aunt has always been so judgmental of me. And here I am with a ripped skirt at dinner. She will never let me see the end of it. And in that moment, Marla saw that Amelia is just a woman who's cold because maybe a lot of people have been cold to her in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. And she helped her stitch up her skirt. And Amelia was very, very thankful. And... You know, they never, never the two did they speak of that moment again, but she saw Amelia's moment of weakness, of a feeling, you know, inadequate. And she realized that this cold facade was, you know, something built around a lot of trauma of her own. And so, yeah. Mm, that's, that's touching. <laughs> Tim loves it. <laughs> should, I just love it when the cruelty of someone is actually justified. Through something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's something there. There's there, something. There, 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 there very often is. Right. We just don't always get to see it. Aww. Exactly. We're all human. Huh? <laughs> so that that memory is playing in, in Marla's mind as the it sort of fades and you hear uh, the voice of the woman who, who was on the porch. Uh, this is Carolyn Hawthorne. Uh, if you want to take notes about who these people are, this is going to be the important stuff to remember uh, as the as the mystery unfolds. So Carolyn is in the process of explaining that uh, all of the the people in here were out of town. They're all relatives uh, here for the holidays, and she found Amelia strangled in her own bedroom, uh, apparently. Strangle with a strand of pearls. Mm-hmm. 
The rest of the carolers have gone uh, to go get help from the police, but you all know that this is exactly your kind of moment, right? You have mm. that 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 window, just as in the Gold Crown Mysteries. Uh, this is your Amanda Delacourt moment, right? You get a chance to talk to all the suspects and figure out what's going on and solve this mystery before the sheriff can arrive. Mm. So... Around the around the room, there are a bunch of people all sitting. This is a very like knives out kind of presentation, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I'm gonna frame this uh, the way that 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 a TV show or uh, a, a movie would. So first, the camera stops on Carolyn Hawthorne, the niece, the woman who you saw on the porch, uh, assertive and wry. She is in a well tailored suit. Practically speaking, she is the head of the Hawthorne family. The money's, uh, family's money can be traced back to Aunt Amelia, who is very shrewd with her investments prior to her death. But Carolyn is the one who it organizes everything. And the freeze frame on her face, which is just ever so slightly blurry because it's, this is like 1986 era television, right? Uh, unfreezes. And you hear her saying, you certainly... We certainly have our differences, but the thing you need to understand about this family is that we are first and foremost Hawthorns. That comes before everything and everyone. And the the, the camera uh, pans around. You hear murmurs of conversation as, as people are, are, are discussing what has happened. And the camera then stops on a man in a plum-colored smoking jacket. This is Thomas Hawthorne, a brother. Thomas was Amelia's brother and financial advisor. He has this air about him that indicates that he has some resentment towards Amelia, but it's it's one of those things that he w- that he would deny if ever you know questioned directly. And then the freeze frame unfreezes, and you hear him say, "My sister was a very complicated woman. She had a depth to her, a secret way of being that very few people understood. As much as I'm loath to admit it." I will miss her. And then we zoom around and we have, we see a striking family resemblance between the previous man and this one. This is Jimmy Hawthorne. He is red faced. He has a tumbler of whiskey in his hand. It is obviously not his first. And unlike a lot of the other people in here, he's simply wearing jeans and a new England Patriots t-shirt. He is the black sheep of the Hawthorne family. He can't seem to hold down a job, you've heard rumors say. Uh, and he always seem, seems to be asking. He has that, like that guy who's always asking for a 20, right? Even though you gave mm. him a 20 last time you saw him, you're sure. And so did your brother. And it unfreezes and sort of in the middle of this this uh, ongoing conversation, you hear him sing, ding. Dong, the wish is dead. Oh, come on. And then he takes another drink of his whiskey and passes out in the <gasps> chair. <laughs> oh. Helen Cooth. Over in a corner, there is a woman sitting in a very unseasonal, uh, like, black shirt, uh, black silk shirt with ruffles and um, a, a, a black sort of uh, pencil skirt. Uh, her legs uh, crossed demurely, but a very large silver cross necklace on and shuffling a deck of tarot cards. She 
isn't saying much, but she looks over the entire proceedings like she knows something. And when Jimmy passes out, she simply rolls her eyes because he's she's one of his ex-wives. Mm-hmm. This is Magdalena Hawthorne, a sister-in-law. She is deeply spiritual and blends her Catholic faith with more esoteric beliefs. The, the, the cross uh, and the tarot cards being uh, prime indicators of that. And the freeze frame on freezes. She says, I arrived earlier today. I drew a card from my deck as soon as I crossed the threshold of the front door. The Nine of Swords. That's a very bad sign, a sign of conflict. And I knew right away that something terrible was going to happen. The cards never lie. So just to, wow. just to check, we've got yeah. uh, Caroline, Thomas, Jimmy, and Magdalena. Magdalena, yeah. Magdalena, okay. Yep. Yeah, and you're going to have a lot of people with the last name Hawthorne because that's the the, mm-hmm. the family name. So uh, then we get the uh, the Chris Evans of the group, right? Uh, <laughs> this man is actually a movie star. He is being played by Chris Evans in this. Uh, I believe that all three of your characters actually recognize Everett. He is a legit movie star. He is most famous for the Turk Huntington series of spy films. Each one of them has been a global blockbuster. He is the son of Carolyn and Avery. You've not met Avery yet, but you've met Carolyn. He is ridiculously handsome. He has... Excessive use of finger guns. He's no. always very. <laughs> hey. And uh, is wearing, of course, an oversized cashmere sweater. Hell yeah. The camera unfreezes. Uh, trust me. Everyone in this room, except me, because <laughs> I'm rich as fuck, wants to know how much Aunt Amelia left them in her will. But knowing her, she left every red penny to Chestnut the Fourth and all the other chestnuts to come. This phrase is uttered and the camera snap cuts to a Pekingese resting on a satin pillow wearing uh, a a dog tag that very clearly reads chestnut IV and then it snap cuts to the wall above the Pekingese and there are portraits of three other Pekingese the first one has a plaque that reads chestnut then chestnut the second and chestnut the third Oh. It is very difficult to tell if these are not actually all the same dog. Mm. <laughs> the camera pans through the conversation and becomes uh, or stops to rest on a, a tall, beautiful woman dressed in in, in flowing uh, sort of chic bohemian style clothes. She is obviously a runway model who who carries herself as such. This is Skylar Hawthorne. Uh, the great niece. She is Everett's brother. So she's the brother to the movie star. She has a a disdain for pretty much everyone else in the room. Like she she does spends a lot of time looking at her nails and sighing, almost as if she's like a half step removed from all of them. Just very don't want to be here vibes. And the camera unfreezes and you hear her say, My brother wasn't always a leading man in life. Growing up, he was chubby, he had a huge nose, and he stuttered really badly. But Aunt Amelia loved him almost as much as she loved those damn dogs, and she helped him. 
It turns out you can turn a frog into a prince with enough money. Ooh. 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 Juicy. And then there is uh, a man who is obviously connected to uh, Carolyn, the woman in the in the red suit. He is just angry. There's just like waves of it rolling off of him. He's he's sort of sneering openly at everyone in this entire uh, procedure as he's wearing his uh, golf shirt and khakis. Like again, uh, sort of like the brother in the Patriots jersey, just v- dressed very unseasonally. Uh, this is Avery Partridge. He is a nephew by marriage, and he is married to Carolyn Hawthorne. You'll notice that she didn't change her name. Every so often, he glances up at uh, a, a picture of Amelia, the deceased, that's above the mantle, and his sneer deepens. And the the <gasps> camera unfreezes, and you hear him say, Have you been to Amelia's horrid Christmas room yet? A candy-colored nightmare. I think she collected all that tacky crap in an effort to somehow own the idea of Christmas to dominate it. And then one other person sits sort of very near the roaring fireplace. This is Mother Hawthorne. She is a a wizened old woman buried in furs. No one knows her real first name. No one knows exactly how old she is. She rarely (laughs) speaks and can barely get around on her own. And frankly, the idea of her being a suspect is laughable. Yet here she is. And the scene unfreezes. And you hear her say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Just the fire crackling in the background. (laughs) So this is, uh, like I said, this is all happening in the front room, which is known as the Chestnut Room. Uh, It's the temple dedicated to chestnuts one through three, as you saw in the pictures. Uh, Other than those those pictures, what do you see that shows how much Amelia loved her precious Pekingese dogs? Um, uh, There is some uh, dry food that has been um, dipped in liquid gold um, and... (laughs) And that dry fruit is uh, uh, presented on like sort of like, you know, it, it, it's ba- it's the size of um, uh, of like a a, a bench or, or like a a, a a bed desk. You know what's mm-hmm. it called? <laughs> uh, but it's a Corinthian column. It's like a little Corinthian column with like displayed gold mm-hmm. uh, um, golden dry food for a dog. And it just says chestnut on the bowl. <laughs> Oh, there's no bowl. It's, oh, it's, it's oh, like you know oh, when you know when they you know when they, when they they pour like iron into an anthill and you sort of mm-hmm. see there's sort of the, it's sort of like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like clumps of it, almost like it was like um it was almost like it was mashed to be like a rice krispie treat, but wasn't actually formed. It's sort of like it just it feels like a weird geological anomaly. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Wonderful. There are ribbons and prizes from award winning dog shows and even a portrait of chestnut uh the second with martha stewart oh yeah wow and there's this table full of photos with with um with uh picture frames that all say like family phrases on it like Mm -hmm. i love my family and like you know family is everything except there's no family members in it it's just photos of of chestnut all right uh, so it was Wait, a quick. Uh, oh yeah, go for it, Tim. There's also a post that says, 
I can only please one person today. Today is not your day. Tomorrow's not looking too good either. Why? <laughs> because the dog is the person I choose every day. <laughs> that's the poster that's in this. And it's recorded, so it's in it. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've reached the moment of 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 sort of this uh this scene where all the different family members uh just proceed to sort of scatter throughout the house right they they most of them don't like being in each other's company too terrible much uh so they're all like they uh caroline has instructed everyone to stay in the house until the police arrive and so that's going to happen you assume anyway right that's what re- a reasonable assumption and so you now have time to begin your investigation. As a mechanics reminder, uh, the way this works is that you have all the different moves that are on the reference sheet that you can do. It is nighttime. So mm. when you are doing something risky or facing something you fear, you will do the night move, not the day move. Uh, if you want to search for a clue, conduct research, or gather information, that is the meddling move. Uh, if you want to have uh, an intimate moment with another uh, maven while one of you is, is engaged with your cozy activity, maybe not likely to happen tonight. We'll see. That's the cozy move. Once per session, each of you can say, this reminds me of something that happened to Amanda Delacourt. And that is the golden crown mysteries move. The occult move is when you engage in an activity related to the supernatural or the occult for the first time. Mm. That is when you would engage that. And then at some point in time, you can have you can theorize and have an open free will and discussion about the solution to the mystery based on the clues you have uncovered. The more clues you have uncovered, the higher your modifier is and the better chance you're going to have to get the right answer. Because uh, you'll remember there is no defined suspect at this point in time, right? The mm. what what you decide the outcome is is your own ideas and the clues you gather and the threads you tie together and then gets wrapped up with your theorized move at the end. So this is where you are and this is the situation that is in front of you. What do you do? Girls. Mm. Artemis? This, I, I, gotta, I gotta be honest and I know this might be, this might be uh, redundant, but I think a mystery is afoot. I have to say, you are correct, Artemis. A mystery is afoot. Something tells me that Amelia didn't accidentally choke on her pearls. It seems that somebody has jingled Amelia's bell. Yes, someone has jingle. Yeah, jingle. Yes, um, jingle all. It, it should be jingle all the. Um, the grave, rather than jingle all the way. <gasps> I'm sorry, was that too irreverent? <gasps> it's so it's scary. Yeah, yes, it's so spooky. <laughs> it's a spooky. It's a Christmas Halloween. It's a, it's a, it, this should have happened at Halloween a few months ago. Instead, it's happening over Christmas break. <sighs> it's almost spooky and festive at the same time. Like, spooky. Yes, <laughs> like a spooky. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes. It is like that. Listen, girls. Ah, yes. This is this is what I think. Okay. I I have a feeling that Amelia was one smart cookie, so she might have known if someone was after her. So I'm gonna sneak away to her office and try to meddle around 
Why don't you start questioning the suspects? How do we think about that? Okay, that's good for me. You try to met. That sounds like a. You plan. try to meddle and find some of her old records, and we will talk to some of these. Uh, I guess they're all the Hawthorns are suspects at this point. Isn't that sad to say that every family member is a suspect? It may be sad, but it's true, and we'll be interviewing them. Ladies, one more thing. Yes. Yes. Be safe. Hey. You better have said that to Amira, because that's something that you should be hearing, too. You're right. You're right. You better be saying that to Amira, too. <laughs> Marla opens up her compact, and she says to the mirror, be safe. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Now we, now, we, see, now we all can be safe together. And the camera is going to follow Marla uh, down, uh, up the stairs and down the hallway. You pass by... Uh, one room that the door is shut, but it is uh, decorated like a wrapped present, right? Mm. Uh, this is obviously the Christmas room. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think there is probably a fundraiser that was a tour of this house at some point in time. Yeah. So you have definitely been in here before. And you remember yes. that in this wing of the house, there's the Christmas room. The office is in the middle. And then the bedroom is at the end of that hallway. Uh, so the second door down is the office. And as you uh, approach and you try the handle, you find the door to be locked. <gasps> what do you do? The door is locked. She looks above the door. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes people will put a, a key on the little ledge mm -hmm. on the top of the door frame. So she grabs for that, sees if there's a key. Okay. Uh, I would like you to uh, roll the night move, please. Ooh. So yeah, you grab 2d6 and uh, you have been here before, so I'm going to let you roll this with advantage. So you actually need 3d6. You're going to take the higher of the two. And then tell me what ability you are using uh, for this. Vitality, composure, reason, presence, or sensitivity. I'm going to guess that she's using reason. That makes sense to me. Uh, so roll 3d6, take the higher of the highest two dice and add one to the result. Okay, great. Oh, so and actually, I, I forgot how this move proceeds. Yes. You need to name uh, what will happen uh, if you fail or lose your nerve. Ooh. If I fail or lose my nerve, I, um, I punch the wall. <laughs> okay. Um, I, and then it's my job to tell you how it will be worse than, than you fear. Uh, if you fail or lose your nerve... I think you will not only punch the wall, but your hand will go through an old part of the the plaster and your fist is going to get stuck. So those are the stakes for this role. You can now decide whether or not you're going to proceed or uh, or not. I'm going to proceed. Okay. Let's have the roll. Okay. So uh, I got four and a six, mm. uh, which is 10 plus... One will be 11. Okay. You do what you intended or you hold steady. Describe what it looks like. So you, you succeed on the roll. I think the key is up there. Yes. So uh, uh, Marla remembers that uh, many people, she herself, always puts the keys on the top ledge of the door frame just in case. So she, uh, you know, goes on her tippy toes and grabs for it. And she... She feels the cold metal of a key and grabs it down 
and places it in the lock. Just as you hear footsteps coming up the stairs <gasps> behind you. <gasps> and you see uh, coming up the stairs is the movie star, Everett. Hello, heroes, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, as of the posting of this episode, there are, what, 17 days until my family has a new baby? Uh, Or if he decides to show up earlier, maybe less than that. So as I mentioned last time, there are links in the show notes if you wish to uh, show your support and uh, send some funds to help my family through what is going to be a big adjustment. Uh, We're excited. We're really, really looking forward to meeting the new one. It's just going to be a big change because two kids under two is a, it's a whole thing. Um, but hit those links if you wish to uh, and you know send your goodwill uh, however you see fit. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, whatever you would like to. Uh, I just really appreciate it. As well, as of the posting of this episode today, right now, as you're listening to this, on December 20th is the last day that you can send in your audition information to become the new host of One Shot. That is a role that is a paid thing that OneShot is doing. I will be transitioning out of this role. James will not be returning to this role. And we need someone who can take this show into the future. So check the show notes for that link for all the stuff. Get your headshot, resume, samples, clips, all that good stuff. Get it ready and get it in by the end of December 20th so we can evaluate you. Thanks, heroes. And with that out of the way, let's get back to the show. The officer. Ah, oh, yes. Um, what was what was your name again? I'm sorry. I uh, I can't quite place you. Oh, me. I'm Everett Hawthorne, and he like brushes his hair back with his hands and gives <laughs> the finger guns, and you he immediately looks like the movie poster of like the second Turk Hun- Huntington movie. You absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, yes, yes. See, I'm more of a Salmon Grey's spy series lady myself. I'm not much of a Turk Huntington watcher. Uh, nothing wrong with Salmon Grey's, and to be honest, I'm not much of a fan of Turk Huntington either, but I'll tell you what, it brings in the cash. Speaking of, since I have no reason to have killed her, let's see what's in this office. She never let me in there. Sure, but remember, this is a crime scene, so try not to touch too much. Okay, just as a quick procedural note, are you as a player comfortable if Everett absolutely comes on to you right now? Um, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so he he steps very close to you and mm-hmm. like puts his hand up on the on the side of the door frame. And he he looks at you. This man is absolutely stunning, right? Mm. He is just impeccable. And he looks down at you and says, oh, don't worry. I never touch unless I'm asked. (laughs) Oh, Everett, you're barking up the wrong tree. (laughs) Let's take a look, shall we? He steps back. He sort of he he smiles in that like really self-assured way that uh, when a man just assumes that every tree is the right tree. 
<laughs> and Marla has dealt with men like Everett her whole life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Marlet, Marla, being a, a young single lady for much of her life, has had many men come on to her. But the thing is, is she only has room in her heart for one man. And that is her beloved deceased husband. That's fantastic. I love it. No one else compares. <laughs> Nothing compares. To you. I, I, I like that there's this moment. I think there's this moment where Everett like smiles that smile. And everyone who's watching this show would expect the the very reserved and, and, and uptight Marla to like melt in front of this man. Like it would be that moment, but instead that song plays and it cuts back to a picture of her deceased husband at home, like ready to set out on the, on the, on the trip to Mount Everest. And then Marla responds, you're barking up the wrong tree. And everyone's (laughs) like, yeah, you go Marla. And remember she's wearing her save the tree sweater as she says that. Mm. <laughs> You're barking up the wrong, the wrong tree. The wrong tree. <laughs> Everett is just a little too close to Everest. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. If if you're if you're worried about what happened on Mount Everest, you're not going to Mount Everett. Yeah, and there's also not many trees on Mount Everest because it's a little too hey. tall to sustain that type of big um, macro font. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Explaining the joke in a nonsensical way makes it better. I love yeah, that. it's like, get that. I mean, maybe some shrubs, but not the kind of trees that would be talking about. Uh, the lock fits cleanly, or the key fits cleanly into the lock, and you open the door. Uh, the office is... Uh, a relatively well-appointed room. It is clean. It is tidy. You get the idea that Carolyn is primarily the one who uses this space Mm. uh, when it's used at all. And you now have a chance to look around. As you begin to do that, we're going to cut over to the other other group. Uh, So Artemis and Ruby, the camera pans down the stairs and over the, the, the drawing room with all of the homages to all the Pekingeses. Who are you choosing to go talk to? Uh, if, they're n- if, if they're not in the room, I'll let you know where they've gone. Actually, Ruby sniffs the air a little bit. And she is slightly allergic to dogs. <laughs> so she, she <coughs> like, tiny sneeze. She goes, do you think Chestnut would know anything? I mean, I bet you Chestnut probably... Mm. I, I think Chestnut probably knows a lot, uh, but, I mean, we cannot communicate with a dog, Ruby. I mean, what do you... Or can we? <laughs> uh, Ruby picks up Chestnut's mm-hmm. pillow, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Chestnut might react to someone when we talk to them. Oh, interesting. So you're trying to say that if we bring Chestnut around with us, and we can, mm-hmm. we can sort of sense their behavior towards the possible... Va- you are... Ruby... Ruby! I love coupons, but I also love mystery. And also, Ruby, since you're being so brave with this, I have some Zyrtec in my bag if you want, if you need help with the allergies. Oh, you heavenly holly. Don't call me a holly. It's not Christmas yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I give her some Zyrtec. She takes it and picks up the okay. dog. Uh, you pick up the dog. I want to see. Let's see. I'm curious. Hmm. 
I think this calls for the meddling move, right? Because oh. you, you're this is somebody else's dog. Obviously, it's a well-trained dog, or at least you assume it is. It's just sort of been sitting on this pillow the entire time and not really moving around as other people are like coming and going. But I think that we need to to see how well this person who's allergic to dogs handles a dog. <laughs> Uh, so tell me what stat uh, you're going to be using. Oh, gosh. Um, probably composure. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense? sense to me. So just go ahead. And you would have been rolling with disadvantage if not for the Zyrtec. Uh, but we're going to uh, assume that it's a, a quick acting uh, <laughs> version. Uh, and you're not going to... The melting Yeah, you're tabs. not going to sneeze directly yeah. into the dog's face and frighten it or something. So go ahead and roll 2d6 plus composure. All right, and that is, hello, that is seven. Okay, so on a hit, which is anything seven or higher, you do get a clue, Um, but there's also a complication. So the the clue that you find when you pick up the dog from the uh, from the pillow, you see that. the, the dog kicks its feet a little bit. It's starting to like struggle in your hands mm-hmm. and the pillow gets kicked back. And there is a present wrapped in like golden paper. You're relatively sure it's not real gold, but it looks very, very fancy. And there is a, a tag on it that says chestnut the fourth. Mm. That's underneath Ooh. the dog's pillow. And then as you are trying to get the dog, Chestnut is struggling more and more. And the complication is that Chestnut just jumps out of your arms and goes running away through the house. Chestnut! Yeah, come back. We weren't going to roast you atop of an open fire. Though if you've been listening to some of the Christmas carols <laughs> we've been singing, you wouldn't be blamed for thinking so. And then you hear, <laughs> oh, fucking dog. Wow! As oh. as Jimmy, uh, the drunk in the Patriots t-shirt, just kind of stirs a little bit in his chair. Jimmy, Jimmy, wake up. Uh, I, I go over and sort of sort of pat his face a little, pat his cheeks. Wake I almost up. thought he was part of the decor. <laughs> he practically was. Uh, for reference, the extravagant present for Chestnut is one of your clues. Okay, yeah. Uh, Ruby uh, takes note, but leaves it, uh, stands in front of it, mm-hmm. actually. Jimmy, wake up, wake up. God, who, who the fuck are you? I'm Artemis left-handed. Uh, or left-hander, depending on what I said earlier. I, now, we've met before. You've come to my bar, Cafe Sinister. That's right, it's a bar named Cafe. Um, I've se- I've served you drinks at Cafe Sinister before. We've met once or twice. Oh, yeah, it's, uh... uh it's, yeah, it's, it's got the... That's on tap, right? I don't know what you said, but yes, we do. I imagine yes, we do. Uh, but so I, I, I get that it's it's scary. It was uh, you've lost a family member, and I see that you're uh, you're taking it in through alcohol. Uh, but- <laughs> scary. This is, a, this is a fucking celebration. I hated her. <laughs> he sort of levers himself up off the chair, and like this man is drunk. <laughs> He is having a lot of difficulty uh, standing at this point in time. Um, so um, I'm going to try to sort of 
manipulate this drunk man uh, 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 by getting him to say more. Oh, you hated her? That's so funny. Everyone always talks about how great she is. And I always thought, something here doesn't seem like everyone likes her so much, but I never knew exactly what made her so mm, distrustful. Uh, wh why do you find her so mm, un unpleasant when everyone else loves her so much? Okay, so this is definitely the night move. What are you afraid is going to happen if your words don't hit this man the right way? Um, that he is going to, like, uh, um, in an out-of-control fashion, like, really get in my face and scream. You know, like, I'm afraid he's going to... Or get violent, you know, like, because mm -hmm. I am trying to, like, ask him something negative and he's drunk. That's what I'm worried will happen. But what, I'm, what, I, hope, what I hope will happen is that he... Uh, uh, he sees me as a confidant and is like, oh, yeah, hey, I'll give you the business. I'll right. give you all the truth. What will actually happen is that the it, he's not just going to get violent. Like, he is actually going to physically push you. Yeah. <gasps> if if this goes sideways. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right, so you're going to make the roll? Yes. How many rolls do I make? Uh, it's 2d6, and what stat are you using? I almost want to say presence, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um. So, 2d6, you say? Yes, please. That's six. That <gasps> is a failure. So you say that he just liked her. She was the fucking worst and like pushes your shoulder. And you, it, it's hard to tell. I think that uh, that Ruby, you you probably see this sort of happen. And from your viewpoint and the audiences, it's hard to tell if he is meaning to push this hard or if. It's just a side effect of how absolutely drunk he is, but his hand shoves out and hits Artemis's shoulder, uh, and and more of like not just her shoulder to like to the side, but her upper chest. So she <gasps> gets pushed and falls backward, and your head kind of fucks on the wooden floor and bounces a little bit. <gasps> That is going to be a condition. So you are you are dazed right now. Oh. <gasps> uh, oh. So anything that you do until you have a chance to sort of recover yourself is going to be rolled at disadvantage. So you'll roll two dice and take mm. the worst of the two. You you absolute brute! I was Artie, Artie, asking, Artie. Uh, are you okay? I'm 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 Oh dear, I'm She's okay. A I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Oh, she's um, not okay. Oh, I no 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 no. I'm 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 okay. I'm I'm oh I'm okay. You hear the the click of high heels coming across the floor as Skylar, the the model niece, approaches the scene, and she walks up to her her uncle and looks at him and sort of like takes his shirt. And like gets his face right into hers. And she says, sit down and pushes him back into the chair. And he just sort of falls back and sort of stops. And then he kind of looks around blearily and passes out again. 
Ruby oh. walk, uh, goes up to him, and even though he's passed out, she waggles a finger. What are you doing? What are you doing pushing down old ladies? Ruby, Ruby, um, pour the rest of his drink all over his crotch so everybody thinks he prepared himself. <laughs> I will do just that. Thank you, Ruby. Oh. Ruby takes the scotch, swirls it one more time, and then drops it into his crotch. Thank you so much for protecting. Uh, uh, was it was it was Sky? Uh, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm my name is Skylar, and I have to apologize for my uncle's behavior. He is horrible. It's not your fault. No one owes. Everyone takes care of themselves. You don't have to apologize for your family member. If he apologizes, that's something that you don't need. To, it's not your fault. She sort of size like you you get the impression uh ruby that she is the kind of person who doesn't doesn't take it well when people continue talking past the point that she thinks they should have stopped right (laughs) she just says come with me and she begins to walk uh in the direction of the kitchen Uh, ruby goes back to pick up that present Mm -hmm. and she stuffs it under her sweater and follows awesome the camera then pans back to the office with Everett mm. and Marla. So looking around, it seems like there are files here and there. The filing cabinets themselves and the drawers on the desk are locked. Mm-hmm. The key that you got above the door is obviously too large. Um, you're not sure if there's a key hidden in here someplace or if someone else has the key on them. What are you doing? What's What kind of... Uh, looks are you trying to to find what are you trying to to discover here what kind of looks are you trying to find what kind of sentence is that anyway (laughs) just seeing if there's any paperwork around anything having to do now knowing that most of this stuff looks to be carolyn's she's looking for any kind of motivation that carolyn might have had okay to maybe financial motivation sure um, go ahead and roll the investigation move, the meddling move, and uh, what stat are you adding? For this, I think that, so this is obviously she's looking for clues that would link Everett's mom to the murder. Mm-hmm. So she is going to use, um, she's going to use presence to kind of keep it together Make it seem like it's not suspicious. All right. That sounds great. Uh, 2d6 plus presence. Okay. Okay. Seven plus... I have one for presence, so it's an eight. Okay. Yeah. So you find a clue, and there is a complication. Mm. Okay. So you're looking around, and... With all the drawers locked, it's really difficult to find any, like, paperwork that is connecting all of this together, which is... A little bit frustrating. So you kind of you do the thing where you're like, well, I've looked over the whole thing and Everett's not really saying much and not being much of a help. And you kind of just sort of lean back against the wall and you hear a click and a panel slides open and it looks like there is some type of of passageway or or something that you find leading out of this room. The complication is that Everett immediately comes over and says, Oh, I haven't been in here since I was a kid. And he shoves you aside, not forcefully, but moves you aside and enters this crawl space and closes it behind him. And you hear a, 
a firm click, like it's been locked. No! So you have a clue that there is a secret crawl space, but as you try to, like, do what you did again, and you're, like, patting yeah. your hands on the wall, there's nothing. It doesn't move. Uh, so with that, she tries to call in to Everett. Everett! Everett, can you hear me? No response. <sighs> Damn. Well, at least I got rid of Everett for a while. You say that, and then from inside the crawl space, you hear a muffled shout and a thump. <gasps> oh, maybe a little bit longer than a while. <laughs> Everett! Everett! No response. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I may have been an accomplice to something bad. And she scurries down to try to find the girls. Okay. We cut to commercial. The commercial is a local political ad for a mayoral candidate. All right. Listen, I know it's winter. I know that the election is months away. But look, I am obviously the only candidate for mayor. Do you see my competitor out here shaking hands, doing this kind of advertising at this time of year? Absolutely not. I want to be your new mayor, and I want you to let me into your hearts this Christmas. My name's Tig Howerson. <laughs> I'm voting for Tig Howerson because he campaigns at times when other, when other um, contestants don't campaign. When I was making my judgment at the ballot box, I thought, which of the contestants, and by contestants, because that's what we call mayor candidates <laughs> here, which of them shook my hand? And I could only place one, and that was Tig. This message was approved by the office of Tig Hauer. <laughs> Tig Howerson for Brindlewood Bay Mayor. The election's not for three years. Get yourself ready now. Daddy... Are you, aren't you going to come home? Or are you still giving all your all to the constituents? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to take that in a darker direction like I want to. I'm just going to let the ad end there. <laughs> Don't be dark, Dad. Just say, yes, you love me, your son. <laughs> this episode of One Shot features music from the following artists. Christmas Shopping by Adam Sabin. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. That's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back with part three of Brindlewood Bay next week. Hey heroes, it's James here. It's time for you to grab a bird, a saddle, and a lance. Because we've got new episodes of Sky Joust coming at you next week. Sky Joust is the One Shot Network's competitive sports drama actual play. Inspired by your favorite sports animes and set in Skyjack's world of sphere. Follow four different adolescent jousting teams as they battle their way through the quarterfinals, eventually to face each other in head-to-head -head PvP matches. It's competitive because we have four different teams of protagonists, and everybody's got a reason to win. But there's only one championship spot, and the game decides who takes the crown. Watch your favorite performers from around the One Shot Network and World of Actual Play in some intense and hilarious moments. 
You can listen to Sky Joust right now by heading over to your favorite podcast app and search for Sky Joust, S-K-Y-J-O-U-S-T, with two exclamation points. If you first checked out Sky Joust when it was on the Skyjacks feed, we are finally airing brand new episodes, so it's the perfect time to jump in. We'll catch you in the lists, heroes. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and as the year closes out, heroes, I just want to say how thankful I am for all of you. You literally, your support of the network, all of you, makes my life possible. It's amazing. So what I would like you to do this week, it's not political, it's not uh, ideological, simply go out and thank the people who make the content that you listen to. Go leave reviews. I'm not asking you to leave reviews for one shot. I'm not asking you to leave reviews for campaign. I'm asking you to go find the shows you listen to, put reviews out there, thank the creators on Twitter, let them know at this time of the year especially how welcome they are in your lives and how much they have improved the existence you have. I know that it's true for me that all the podcasts and shows I listen to make my life immeasurably better, and I am thankful for all of them. So please go ahead and do that. Uh, We are taking a holiday break next week, so there will not be another new episode until the new year. So heroes, happy new year, and thanks. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.